So for people looking to do business with uh, family offices, whether they are VCs getting more funds or startups that are looking for family offices to get on their cap table, what's the etiquette of approaching uh, families? For us, it's super important that, that we always say we are an educational networking event, meaning we don't allow pitches on stage. So families, they come and they want to learn from the experts on stage. What does work for VC funds, if you are VC funds and you do something interesting, if you invest in a certain area of tech, if you've got a VC investing into artificial intelligence uh, tech companies, if you go on stage and talk about the fund, it's a boring pitch. But if you talk about the developments of these companies in artificial intelligence, the room's gonna be full of people who want to learn. Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. This is the third season of my podcast, where we once again focus on technology. But this time we are going to turn our attention to the startups driving frontier technologies and the people behind them who provide the financial backing to make it all possible. From venture capital to angel investing to family offices to the founders themselves, we will cover the full spectrum of the startup ecosystem in this series. In today's episode, I speak with Katia and Tobias from Preston & Partner, a conference dedicated to family offices, which they've been running for the past 12 years. If you've been wondering how you can get in front of family offices, this is an episode you don't want to miss. We will give you insights into how they operate. I couldn't think of a better duo to talk about this topic, especially with the New York event coming up in just a few days from the 10th to 11th of October in New York City. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So Katia and Tobias, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I think first things first, why don't we start by one of you giving me a little bit explanation about uh, the company, what, what you're doing, because uh, I think this conversation will be very interesting to a lot of people who are interested in family offices, understanding the family office dynamics. And uh, I think people will really enjoy it. So uh, starting first, ladies first, why don't you, Katia, tell us a little bit about the company and then we will go to T Tobias. Thank you, Somi. Uh, sure. So we, uh, Tobias um, and myself, we started uh, 12 years ago where we hosted our first uh, family office forum in Germany, in Wiesbaden. So this was our start where we hosted already over 100 family offices and ultra high net worth individuals from, from Germany. And it was, a, um, at this time, back in the days, it was a three-days event. Now it's only a two-days event where we cover all asset classes on one hand side, and which is important for me as well as all family issues. So we are not the typical investment conference. We are focusing also a lot on the family issues which is close to our heart. So topics like how to educate your kids, uh, family governance, um, succession planning. So all of these family issues and also um, are uh, covered at our conferences alongside with all the asset classes. And which what is important for us, so our, I would say, um, USP is that we always, and we, we promise that over 12 years and deliver it, 
um, that we always have more buy side in the room than sell side. So the important thing is <clears throat> so that everyone is comfortable is that we have more family offices, uh, family office decision makers, ultra high net worth individuals at our conference than providers, um, yeah, service providers. Awesome. So Tobias, what was what was the thing that made you guys decide that you wanted to start this organization? What was what was the impetus behind it? First of all, thank you for having us here, Sorry. And yeah, Katya, we saw a huge opportunity, and a huge opportunity it is. There's been a big gap um, until we came up with this 12 years ago. There has only been money-driven events, um, transactional, deal flow, West deal, how can I make profit? But there's more to life and more to a family office life than just making profit. Um, and as Katya said, we cover all aspects. And it's a big joy for us because these topics are very, very diverse. On the investment side of things, there, there's always new developments. So everybody's talking about artificial intelligence now. Um, it's just one example of new developments being relevant to investors. So there's always something new. Um, and the people we deal with are fascinating. It's uh, very special and interesting people. And uh, there's not one day I don't learn something new. So I'm a kid in a toy shop and I love it. Awesome. So one of the things that I noticed, you've got a lot of family offices um, forums in different cities. Uh, for example, I, I came to one of the one uh, one of the ones that you had in London. Um, I'm now participating in another one that you've got uh, going on in New York. Um, I was wondering how are these different? So uh, do different people go to each ones uh, or do you see more of the same people participating in all of them. So uh, how does it differ uh, between the cities? Yes, there's so we... a few um, friends and family and Katya, she's, you were going to say we're so in tune. I know you were going to say it. We have some people, they choke themselves. They say we're the Prestolites. Uh, there are indeed some special family office decision makers and principals who enjoy coming to many of our events. However, they are about maybe 10 to 20. Our events see up to 200 people. So the majority is from the region where we are. And um, there are differences in culture. There are differences in current interest. Um, one example, philanthropy. Uh, in Arabia, philanthropy is a given. It's something you do. There's no question. You give and you don't talk about it. So it's not a good stage topic because um, everybody's giving anyway, it's in the culture, but you don't talk about it. When you go to London, there are many people who enjoy discussing with their peers how to do philanthropy best. Shall I do a professional structure or shall I just pick something myself? And how do you operate it? How, do, how much should you get involved? Um, it's just one example of how different cultures tackle the same topic differently. The topics are worldwide, but different cultures deal differently with those topics. 
Mm, super interesting. So Katia, you're the one who usually deals with the relationships. Um, so tell me a little bit about how uh, the families from different regions uh, get to know each other or, or do they share different values or how's the communication happen? Let's say, for example, if you have uh, families from China, um, you know, or, or Saudi Arabia, you know, and then you have families from Europe and, and, and the US, is there much of a communication happening yeah. between them? And, and how does that go? Yeah, uh, definitely. But I, I think it doesn't matter really how rich you are, or how wealthy you are. I think everyone knows that the, the culture that what Tobias just said, the cultural difference. Um, so the communication and the openness, I would say, is, is different in every culture. However, which is super important for us is so these families who are coming, they are anyway very shy, very private. They usually they don't like to go at, to these events. And um, and we are in this lucky position that we are running that now for 12 years. So these families, they need trust. Um and um, they come because of recommendation of other families. So we have built these nine events now just because of the help of the families. We couldn't have done, you know, we couldn't have called them up in, in Singapore saying, come to our event. That doesn't work. So they come because other families went to our event and recommended us, meaning they feel very comfortable when they come to our event because they heard from others um, that it's a safe place and they, that they can open up. And they like to communicate with others in general. So meaning um, because we do have not that many service providers, they feel in a safe place with other peers. Um, however, even though it's different, so you ask how is it different uh, each, each, um, each country, uh, I would say... Mm, I have to say something actually. We just had our German event, and there was, and and I discussed with Tobias. At none of our events, we have so many um, um, people having uh, wearing suits. <laughs> so the Germans are very, oh, and the Swiss. So they are very like correct. Still, everyone in suits. So it's it's and and also the openness and is 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 different to from Asia. Um, uh, the Middle East and obviously America, which we cover as well. The New York one is coming up now, um, is the next one. There's a huge value when you are an Arabian family or Asian family or European family to meet peers. Because um, let's let's say it how it is. If you're super wealthy, everybody wants to sell you something. Everybody has a proposition for you, and especially the experts, the banks, the funds, the providers, the advisors, the lawyers, everybody wants to sell you something. So us having a safe place where you can meet peers, other families who don't sell you anything, um, you can exchange notes, you can discuss things um, in a safe place without being sold to and that's that by itself is a huge value and like Katya said it's um based on trust thanks to our safe place and it's based on recommendations sometimes I joke and say it's like a chain of restaurants and we have guests coming thanks to happy happy guests and recommendations this is how it works if you start a family office event or if you start a Michelaster restaurant, you can't go you can't Google the clients. 
they have to be happy clients to recommend you. It's growing, living by recommendations. Another important thing is that Tobias and myself, we are not selling anything. So we are completely neutral. We are independent. A lot of other family office gatherings, they are um, they are, they are organized by CellSite, which makes it a different feeling, a different atmosphere. So this is maybe a, an important thing to add for, for the audience who, is, who are listening now is that, that we... They recommend us because they know Katja and Tobias, they, they won't ever sell them something. So in our life of 12 years, we have never taken any commission or anything, although we have obviously a lot of um, uh, requests for that, but we don't do that. So this is a super important thing. And that's why they come and they know their data is safe. We never give out their, uh, you know, contact details or anything. And we would never approach them and sell them something. This is mm -hmm. super important. And you don't you don't charge the family offices for joining you you only you have some sponsors so to tell us a little bit about your uh, your business model correct so the 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 family offices the other net with individuals decision makers if they don't have anything to offer so we look at activity we um if if a person uh, let even if a billionaire you know wants to come but this billionaire has a, a hedge fund or a crypto fund or is raising money for for his uh, fund we look at this activity and if he has he if he raises uh, if he raises capital then this person even if he is a billionaire has to pay because we don't want too many sell side in the room um so this is this is yes. So if if a if a family office without offering, they attend for free. They are our guests, and everyone with an activity of any offerings for the audience, they they pay to come. So how how do you keep a balance between? I mean, obviously, putting together an event like that, it's not cheap. And you know, in something like New York and London, uh, etc. How do you keep a balance between covering the costs and uh, keeping it free? Because ultimately, even the family offices that are not necessarily uh, selling anything, they're still benefiting from uh, being there, right, and, and connecting. So how do you keep a balance between that? It's kind of magic because Katya and me are not money-driven. Of course, we need food and things like everybody else. Um, and of course, we like nice things as everybody else, but we are not money-driven. And we don't look at numbers. For example, we have no forecast. We have no spreadsheet with targets. We just enjoy what we do to bring people together. And we really make sure, like Katya said, there's more buy-side, more wealth owners, more family office decision-makers in the room than providers. In January in Dubai this year, we left about half a million dollar, about $500,000 on the table. We didn't take it. How? The month leading to the events, every day we had people who wanted to buy a delegate pass or who wanted to spend money to become a sponsor and get on stage. And we said, no, we are full. We said we are full because we wanted many more eyesight and starside in the room. And... Yeah, we left half a million on the table. We still make enough 
to be good. And as, as I started this statement, we're not money driven. We we love what we do. And um, maybe it's the German thing. Katja and me are both German. We have a long-term view. Um, if we would be driven by quarter results and quick money, I don't think we would still be here after 12 years. Mm, super interesting. So tell me a little bit about the way that you facilitate networking. So um, people listening to this, you know, there are um, our audience are startups and VCs and, um, you know, people, entrepreneurs and people who are generally very tech savvy and very interested in, um, you know, learning more about opportunities that uh, allow them for networking. So tell me a little bit about how you facilitate networking. People come to your conference. Um, is there is there any kind of um, formal way of introducing people to one another? Or is it like you just arrive and, and you, it's up to you how, how you uh, get on? Is that, yeah, yeah, so tell me a bit so about the networking. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's a, it's a very common question because um, also here we are, um, for us, it's super important that, that we have a nice atmosphere at our, our event. It's not a typical where you go to an industry event uh, with a lot of exhibitions. We make sure that we have also not too many attendees so that you have the chance to speak with everyone, to be assessed maximum of 200 people. Um, and and we have we are always in a nice like five star hotel. We make sure that we have super food all day long. Networking. Um, we have a, a welcome break, a nice breakfast, a second morning break, then a nice lunch break, afternoon break, drinks reception. So, and we have we we dedicate in the program a lot of time for these breaks because you know how it is. You want to meet people. You want to speak with people, and so and it's always the hardest to get the people again back to the uh, to the presentations because everyone is so engaged. So by really making a nice atmosphere, we kind of create an atmosphere where people are opening up. <laughs> so this is the feedback what we get, and because Tobias and myself, we are always there. Um, I'm always in the networking area. Obviously, we know who is doing what, and I know um, the the interest. So I try to also sometimes, you know, to introduce people to each other where I know they have the same interest. But we don't do one to ones. So what we have learned from the feedback of our families, they don't want to be forced to sit in a room with someone pitching at them. So and that's why we why we don't do that. They want to do that from, you know, they, they want to decide themselves to whom they give the business card. And because we have this atmosphere where everything is kind of really friendly and, and people become friends at our event, they open up and they they are happy to exchange their mobile number, WhatsApp or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's, and the that's... format helps also. The format we have is um, different. It's not a normal conference. A normal conference um, their presentations and everybody at the conference is asked, go into the conference presentation rooms, sit down and listen. And what happens then, we all have seen it, maybe 60% of the audience starts to play with the smartphone <laughs> because not everybody is interested in every presentation. So we say that's quite childish. Let's be grown up. We give people a choice. We give our grown up, uh, audience who knows how to make decisions um, a choice. We we go down the expensive route and we offer 
coffee, tea, snacks, smoothies, stuff all day long in the foyer of the presentation room. So um, whenever the presentation is of interest for you, you go inside, you sit down and listen because you want to. If the presentation on stage currently is not your thing, you don't have to sit there and play with your phone. You can stay in the foyer, drink a tea, coffee or something and meet super special people all day long. So it's very interactive and it's free. Nobody's forced to anything. You choose with whom you engage and there's plenty of opportunities because yeah, it's not academic, only sit and listen. You get to meet people over two days. Um, can you can you share some success stories of people who have come to your uh, conference, especially, let's say, entrepreneurs, VCs, people who are regulars? Maybe start by telling me what percentage of your audience are regular visitors that come back and uh, why do they come back? What are some of the typical kind of success stories? Maybe Katya, you can, you can tell me a little bit about that. Um, uh, what can people expect? Yeah, so... So the, the nice thing is that, as I said in the beginning, Tobias and me, we are not involved in the deal flow. So we don't get a cut or anything. And that means we are not, we don't really know what's going on when they network. However, what we what we always hear is that that families uh, or yeah, investors say, wow, I, I met at your event, this and this sponsor. Um, and the opportunity, and I'm so happy because you know it always, you know, it, it was a, a great opportunity. Or the sponsors are coming back because obviously they 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 meet their target group. And where where when you look at um, you know if if you are if you are like um, raising money, um, where do you get in two days over a hundred potential clients, right? So it's it's quite time effective. Um, so that's why. They are happy to come back. So for the for the families, they they come obviously because they want to meet other peers. And and as Tobias said, we have probably twenty. I would say even more than twenty families who are who like to come almost to all of our nine events because they you always meet fascinating people. So um, people who a don't go to these events and b they are because they are like minded people and you get into into a different culture by go, coming to our event, and you—it sounds cheesy, but but that is what I hear. You, you become friends when when you when you come regular to our events. We once were considering to maybe do a matchmaking platform on the <laughs> yeah. side because there were so many couples who met at our events. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's a success story—not uh, just friendships, but even relationships. <laughs> And on a business side, um, billions of transactions over those 12 years, billions and a lot of positive feedback and they, the, those into investments. It's about the quality of people when you come to our events and not about the quality of deals uh, proposed by someone. Um, but that comes hand in hand. So there's plenty of success stories, commercially speaking. We are proud to have Global Giants Fidelity involved for 11 years now. And it hasn't always been the same contact person for us. Over 11 years, Fidelity has changed areas and business forms and managing directors. 
but the company after 11 years is still our partner and they don't do it because they are looking for fame they are famous already they don't do it for branding they do it because it's difficult to get in touch with private billionaires and the like and our events enable that awesome so for people looking to do business with uh, family offices whether they are maybe uh, maybe vcs that are getting more funds or whether uh, startups that are looking for family offices to get on their cap table what what do you recommend what's the etiquette of approaching uh, families tell, tell me talk to me a little bit about the etiquette maybe katia you can start for us, it's super important that, that we always say we are an educational networking event, meaning we don't allow pitches on stage. So families, they want they come and they want to learn from the experts on stage. So they know that obviously if, for example, Fidelity is speaking on stage, that they have an offering behind. But, but these 30 minutes on stage when, when someone, an expert speaks, this should be educational and not a pitch deck from A to Z. So the topics on stage are, uh, are, are knowledge driven and that's super important. So, so they, they, they wouldn't like any startup or VC fund to come with a pitch. That doesn't work. What does work for VC funds, if you're a VC fund and you do something interesting, if you invest in a certain area of tech, um, everybody's talking about artificial intelligence. Let's use this as a random example. If you've got a VC investing into artificial intelligence uh, tech companies, um, if you go on stage and talk about the fund, it's a boring pitch. But if you talk about the developments of these companies in artificial intelligence, the room is going to be full of people who want to learn mm. what is happening in the sector, what are the latest, newest, uh, ahead of the curve developments. And yes, the person on stage has a investment opportunity behind it, fair enough, but that's secondary. Primary is um, the knowledge on, on a sector or on something. So if you're a VC fund or you have any proposition, the way to get attention with our audience is to show expertise, to, to teach something uh, interesting, and then you have people listening. All right. So do you, do you offer any data or market insights that could be valuable to people who are uh, looking to attend and, or, or get involved with your network. So my my point is, other than coming there in person and um, and connecting, have you gathered specific data or analytics over over time from your interaction with family offices that you think this is a unique insight? You know, it's not something that I can go and find on PitchBook. That only you have that analytics or data with regards to how let's say uh, you know how family offices are are moving uh, funds uh, into a specific sector or how the trends are changing how um, you know uh, what their interest lies so do you have data and an analytics that people can access as a matter of fact um, the institutional world 
if you look into into institutional investors such as a pension fund, a sovereign wealth fund, an insurance company, asset managers, banks, you can put each of them in a box and label it and categorize it. You can throw all pension funds in one box and you know they all more or less behave the same. Um, when you talk about private wealth, they are like individuals and each one is different. So entry level of assets, if we talk money, is 120 million. But there's also plenty of billionaires. And if you if you have 150 million or 10 billion, you behave differently in your investments, for example. Um, also, there's, there's uh, the allocation. Um, there's certain data of median of how family offices normally behave, but there is no normal for private entities and private individuals. Uh, it's a free world. So yes, we have a lot of intelligence. We have lots of data, but it's not the, the results are not just one proof. It's very fragmented and diverse. And so Katya maybe decided to, to add value to our network by giving our network a voice. Um, if you're a billionaire, who, who would you like to listen to? Another billionaire. So we created a newsletter where billionaires, royals, uh, special people get a voice. We have a newsletter with interviews, um, not promoting anything. It's not promoting us or some company or product. Our newsletter is giving a voice to special people. Uh, we call it peer-to-peer -peer for Will. <laughs> uh, it's a weekly newsletter. Um, you can find out more on our website, festlandpartner.com. <laughs> and um, yeah, this is how we share knowledge. Um, Katya and me have gathered a lot of data, but Katya and me are not in the center of this. In the center of what we do, are the many diverse wealth owners, family office decision makers and experts. So Katya, you tell me a little bit about how do you keep people engaged in between the events? You know, you've got, you, obviously you've got the events going on. Do you have any, any kind of online community building as well? Um, I'd like to know how you keep people engaged in between. Yeah, good question, because uh, we... Um, were asked many times from our audience if we do have something like this, because obviously, as I said, we're doing that now for, or we're hosting our events for 12 years, but we don't do anything else in between. So we came up with the idea, okay, let's do a newsletter because we have so much data collected um, and we wanted to add another value for our audience. So, so we were told, let's do a newsletter. And I actually was the one another newsletter so you know you get a thousand newsletters and to be honest i do as well and i usually delete them because i don't have the time to read them yeah i'm surprised now how how amazing it works so we and the opening rate and the click rate and i i never and i was never involved in that but it obviously works because billionaire if if you as as tobias mentioned if you are a billionaire what do you want to read from whom do you want to learn Obviously, from another 
web owner. So what we what we are doing uh, now is we are having a weekly newsletter where we cover our uh, fascinating speakers, where we have one-to-one -one interviews um, during our conference or afterwards, and um, and it's 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 something like at our conference where you learn something from that people. So um, yeah, so this is what we obviously what we what we now do in order to be more engaged with our audience of um, over 3,000 active contacts um, uh, who have attended our events, who are um, where we have regular really engagements. And um, 3,000 pure buy side, 3,000 um, private buy side. And in addition, as we know, commercial multifamily offices and ultra high net worth individuals and experts, so the entire databases larger than 30,000. Out of those 30,000, 3,000 are pure buy side, above 120 million each. Within those 3,000 are about 300 billionaires. Mm, awesome. And um, can anybody access your newsletter? They can just go to your website and sign up for it? Or do they have to be attendees to get access? Everybody gets access who jump through our hoop. That means you you sign up and then we look at you. So we want to keep it relevant and exclusive. So if we look you up and you are somebody into research or students, then we say, sorry, it's not for you. For the same reason, we don't publish it publicly or on the internet. Um, it's nice when it's intimate and private and exclusive. But yes, please, everybody's welcome to sign up, anyone who's relevant. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the future trends. So maybe first tell me a little bit about what has been the trends that you've seen in the way that family offices think about investment and think about continuing their legacy. You know, how, how has that changed over the past decade or so? Obviously there's been some really big changes uh, in the world. And, and I'm guessing that You've been, although you've been doing this for 12 years, I'm sure that you had a previous background with these types of family offices. You didn't just come out of nowhere and started this conference. So I'm guessing you you have a very good understanding of, of this uh, space. So how would you say over the past two decades, things have changed for family offices in, and in their outlook in terms of investment and, and their future and their legacy. And then tell me a little bit about where you think this is going in the future. How are they thinking about that now in 2023 in the age of AI and, and technology? The big joke is that um, only banks know the future. Nobody else knows the future. Um, as a family office, you don't need to make a lot of money. Um, your main job is to maintain it over a long time. So you don't have to rush into things. You don't have to make a quick buck. You can take your time and think and plan for the long time horizont. And um, this, to answer your question, over the last 20 years became more and more professional. So in the past, it was more a question of what do the people you trust recommend you? What does your inner network do? And you join them. And 
the world became a smaller place. We are more interconnected. Um, if you want to do business as a Londoner in New York, uh, it's quite easy now to interact. Um, you don't have to take a plane necessarily once you know each other already. So, yeah, the world is becoming a smaller place and family offices are becoming more professional. Um, it's uh, a long game and it's about predicting the future. So you want to mix um, a safe bet with uh, betting on some higher risk opportunities. So as a family office, when a new hype like cryptocurrencies comes up, you're not going to put all eggs in one basket. You're not going to put all your money into such a new opportunity. But um, since you already have deployed money in safe uh, allocations, you probably also have a little pocket where you can take a risk. So as a family office, it's usually very, very diverse. And uh, the outlook is for the long run. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense because um, if you are, let's say, a VC, you raise a certain amount of fund, you need to deploy that, that money within a certain amount of time. Um, but with a family offices, because it's their own money, they're not in a hurry. Um, so so that, it's a very different dynamic. Katia, any, any observations from your side? Yeah, I would like to add something here. Um, so even at our first event in, in Germany, back 12 years ago, we uh, covered, so Tobias is responsible, Tobias is researching our agendas and he writes the program. So just to, and um, we had, we had in the agenda, even back in the days, impact, sustainability. And it was interesting because it was quite new. No one really were talking about ESG and so on. So, and, and now it's obviously, it's, it's, it's one big part in our, in our, at our conferences, because, because what we hear more and more is that, that these families, they want to do good. They want to give back. And often what I find interesting is how the previous generation made their money in this kind of field, they want to give back. And, and another um, important thing is also we, and this is lovely that we have a lot of next chance coming to our, to our event. So people who who are have to take over the family office or the 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 the, the in, uh, investments of the families. So and they look at they look at investment from a completely different angle and not different from the angle of what can we do good with our money. Super interesting. That's that's really cool. So let's talk a little bit about the next generation. So two different things. There's uh, the next generation of the existing families, and then there is the new generation of wealth coming out of entrepreneurship. So first talk a little bit more about the next generation of the family offices that already exist. Uh, let's say the third generation, the fourth generation that are coming in, or even the second gen. Uh, so let, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Let's say I come into a room and there are two people who are, let's say, in their late 20s. Uh, one of them is the next generation of an existing family. The other one is an entrepreneur who uh, built an app and they just sold and now they've come to millions and they're creating their own family offices. How are these two different? Education is the, is the name of the game. It's about education. So if you come from a super wealthy family, chances are that you have been sitting down as a family to 
talk about what are you doing together where are you aligned what are your common goals and targets and uh, people are different but what can you do together so there has been a lot of conversations normally uh, in how to work together as a family however when you are a young tech entrepreneur and you make a fortune by yourself your new money and um like somebody who wins the lotto uh, a lot of these people run into trouble because it's uh wealth can be a burden and a complication and there are dangers attached so um yeah the one word answers education and this is what we give at our events we talk a lot about succession planning and how do you deal with everything which comes along the wealth uh there's a lot of personal aspects which uh, affect everybody yeah i can yeah. definitely tell you though from experience that if you are an entrepreneur uh, you know building it's not a, it's not a lottery it works extreme you know they have to work extremely hard to get to where they are even if they are very young and and they build something i promise you that entrepreneur has probably spent you know, 16 hours a day, 20 hours a day working in their basement or, you know, wherever. Um, so so I don't think it will be quite the same as winning a lottery, but but the, it is a new thing and they would need to think, um, um, you know, about that. So, yeah, Katya, tell me. Yeah, I think uh, one, another thing is, uh, so to be, as, as to be as said, education it is. So the, the way they behave is completely different and the, the old money, they don't show off. So you you would not expect that they have money. So they 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 more hide their wealth, and the new money obviously they like to show. So this is what I experienced a lot also from when you when you when you interact with them. They love to tell you immediately what they have done and what they have reached and how much how wealthy they are. The the, the new money and the other one they would they are very you know yeah. That's very interesting. Different. That's a very interesting observation because I don't know if I fully agree with that. Like I was, I was just at a conference, uh, the All In Summit in uh, in LA. There were so many successful entrepreneurs there, and you know, people were like in a t-shirt. They were so chill, like really relaxed. And then you're talking to them, and they're like running a big company with like hundreds or thousands of people and or they just raised like 60 million 100 million 180 million for their for their startups and they're building some really super interesting things so um i, I in my experience in the tech sector has been that people are actually they're they work so hard that they're really uh, just like a, a little bit knackered to be honest you know, a lot of them are quite tired like they're just you know, like their heads down and working um, it's interesting. I think social media is putting a general view of uh, the new money out that that's not necessarily representative of hardworking entrepreneurs. Uh, but I do agree. I think there are people who like to show off. I don't necessarily think that old money doesn't like to show off and, and new money likes to show off. I think that there are just people who like to show off and people who don't like to show off, right? But but yeah. maybe that in the old money, maybe there are more of them that would be private and, and you wouldn't necessarily um, uh, know who they are and, and uh, you know, they right. could be quite unassuming. Right. Katya yeah. and me are entrepreneurs ourselves as a youth, so me, and we adore entrepreneurs and respect them totally. And um, when I when I mentioned Lotto, I didn't uh, 
compare the success of an entrepreneur with somebody winning the lotto. The analogy I was talking about is when you have a big cash event and you're not prepared to it. This is my, my topic. Um, if you come from old money, you are normally getting prepared so having responsibility for a pile of money. Um, as an entrepreneur, you do, you do, you do, but nobody prepares you for one day being super rich. So what do you do with that wealth? Um, that's why I meant education in terms of uh, being prepared for the day where you have a big cash event. Uh, if you're unprepared, when a billion hits your bank account, um, a lot of things can happen and a lot of bad things can happen. If you're prepared for it, um, you still have a better chance to survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so like as a, as a last question, um, for, for entrepreneurs listening to this that are coming to money now, would you say that um, it's beneficial for them to uh, come to these events and get to know people at their family offices that have done this for a long time and, um, you know, and get to know them and learn from them? Or, or would you, would you say that that's beneficial to them uh, to, to be part of these types of circles? Yeah, that's why, that's why they come. So they want to learn from the others. They want to learn from the mistakes of the others. Um, so, so, and this is the nice thing. So we have the wealth owners, they, they feel so comfortable at our conferences that they speak on stage about what they learned, their learnings, and and um, and they are so open to really to to share and to you know to 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 talk to their peers and to help. Awesome. Well, thank you both for sharing your uh, your experience. Where, where can people learn more about um, Preston and Partner if they want to? come to the events, you know, and, and in general, get more involved. So you've got obviously your website, do you have social media presence? Where can people find you? Sure, yeah, you find us on the Pressland Partner website. We do have a little bit of um, on on Instagram or LinkedIn. You, you, you will find us if you Google us, um, Family Office Forum, Pressland Partner. And then just send us an email and we are happy to get in touch with you yeah very open to and and, and approve thank you so much for having us and we really look forward to seeing you at our upcoming events yeah absolutely I'm yeah we see, you in, we see you in new york right yes in... I'll, see, I'll see you in new york yeah absolutely thank you guys i i'm really looking forward to the event and uh, and let's see how it goes If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariana Show.